When your preparation matches with the perfect circumstances, then what does this definition say it does? It has a multiplying effect on your performance. It's like your attitude gets better, your energy gets better, your performance gets better. And instead of just being incrementally better, it's like all of those things start churning and start turning and start moving in the right direction. And again, it's like you're moving forward with wind at your back. Well, hey there, if we have not yet met, my name is Alex Judd. I'm the founder of Path for Growth, and this is the Path for Growth podcast. Now, as a business, we exist to help impact-driven leaders step into who they were created to be so that others benefit and God is glorified. And this podcast is just another iteration of how that mission comes to life. Gosh, it was over 10 years ago now that I was racing in one of my first ever triathlons. It was a half Ironman, which is a 1.2-mile swim, a 56-mile bike, and then a half marathon or a 13.1-mile run. And I was really excited for this moment because I had done a lot of training. I'd done a lot of getting ready, and it was just an incredible race day. The swim went really, really well, and it was shortly after the swim that I got on the bike. And this particular race was in Galveston, Texas, which I have a lot of family in and around Galveston, Texas. It's, it's a really special place to me, and specifically, I was looking forward to the bike ride because I knew it was going to be very basic, very simple, and therefore very fast. You see, there weren't many turns on this bike course. It was literally straight out for 28 miles down the seawall, and then you literally turn around once down at the end of the seawall and turn right back the other direction. And so I got out of the water, got dried off, got on my bike, and started pedaling. And as I started moving, as I started heading out on the seawall, wall, it was like, holy cow. I mean, I knew I had been training and I knew that my fitness level was in really good shape. And I knew that I've been doing a lot of work on my VO2 max and my leg strength, but something just felt really good on the bike. It was like, holy cow, everything was going my way. And it wasn't just an emotional thing. It was like a very physical thing, right? Like typically on a ride like that, my average speed would be anywhere between 18 to 20 miles an hour. And for whatever reason, at this time, time, it was ranging between 23 and 25 miles an hour, sometimes even faster. And I just felt so good. And I was just so excited. And man, I was just passing people and moving forward and just hustling. And I was like, man, I guess this is just the adrenaline associated with race day. I guess I'm just really strong. And I guess I just did a great job of training was everything that was going through my head. My emotional state was good. I was smiling. I was jamming. It was a great time. And then I reached mile 28 and there were all these people clapping and cheering and telling you, this is the turnaround. You turn, you turn and slowed down a little bit and then turned around and boom, it hit me. (laughs) It was at that moment when I turned around that I realized for that whole 28 miles, I had been riding with a tailwind. And as an amateur racer, I thought, oh, this is all me. And in reality, it had a little bit to do with me, but it had way more to do with the wind that was blowing at my back. And for the subsequent 28 miles, for the last part of the bike ride, I experienced what it was like to not have a tailwind, but rather to have a headwind where it was blowing against me the entire time. But that's a little bit like what momentum is like, isn't it? Momentum is like having a tailwind. It's when things within your control and outside your control seem to conspire together 
to have a multiplying effect on your performance. Now, conversely, when you don't have momentum or when you have the opposite of momentum, it feels a lot like a headwind. And that's what we're going to address in the next episode. But what I want us to focus on today is that idea of what momentum is like. And so let's just break down that kind of functional definition. Momentum is when things within your control and outside your control conspire together and have a multiplying effect on your performance. Now, before we jump into that definition, it's probably worth mentioning, we're going to look at this topic of momentum through the lens of personal growth, but I believe that it absolutely has ramifications into your leadership and into your business. But one of the things that we always teach on here is that if you want to put your business in order, start by putting yourself in order. And if you can learn how to steward and maximize momentum in your personal life, you better believe that your personal life is going to be a microcosm of your business and you're going to be a leader that's radically equipped to steward, amplify, and maximize momentum in your business. So let's look at that functional definition. Momentum is when things within your control and outside your control conspire together and have a multiplying effect on your performance. Couple things. We're focusing on both things within your control, meaning there are things that you can actually do to encourage, facilitate, and to a certain degree, manufacture momentum. But one of the things that we also need to recognize is that there's also things outside your control at play. So there's things within our sphere of influence that we can steward, that we can attend to, that create the environment in which momentum can occur in our personal life. But then there's also things outside our control circumstantially, right? Did I control the wind that day on that bike ride? Absolutely not. But I did control my training. I did control my preparation so that when the wind was at my back, I was able to take part in the blessing that it gave me. That's a little bit about what it looks like to maximize momentum. And what's crazy is when those two things conspire together, when your preparation matches with the perfect circumstances, then what does this definition say it does? It has a multiplying effect on your performance. It's like your attitude gets better, your energy gets better, your performance gets better. And instead of just being incrementally better, it's like all of those things start churning and start turning and start moving in the right direction. And again, it's like you're moving forward with wind at your back. Have you been in those seasons before? Are you in that season right now where you're like, oh my gosh, things are going so wildly well, I can't hardly stand it. Maybe it's in specific areas or maybe it's holistically where you just feel like you've got this sense of energy about you. You've got this sense of life about you. You've got things moving forward. Two things. Number one, if you're in that right now, praise God for that because that's such a gift and that's what we're going to dive into. This this episode is going to be so outrageously practical for you if you're in that season. If you're not in that season right now and maybe it's been a while since you've been in that season I want to give you hope that that season is possible for you, right? And and that the next episode is going to be really helpful for you because that's going to be about what to do when you don't have momentum. But then when you do get it, the biggest thing that you're going to want to be equipped to do is name it whenever you got it and then focus on maximizing it. So before we jump into what to do when you have momentum. There's three principles that I want us to just walk through that really highlight some qualities and characteristics about momentum that will get us all on the same page. 
Number one, momentum is momentary. You've got to have this understanding about you, and we're going to reference this a lot today, that this too shall pass. Effective leaders understand that everything is seasonal. And if you're in a good or even great season where you're experiencing a ton of momentum, you've got to be able to remind yourself, this too shall pass. And that should give you great gratitude for the time that it's here, but also a strong sense of humble expectation that it will eventually leave. Momentum is momentary. Number two, momentum can be micro or it can be macro. What do I mean by this? Probably you've experienced times where there were specific arenas of your life where you were experiencing momentum. Maybe it was in your marriage. Maybe it was in your business. Maybe it was in your relationships or your community. Maybe you experienced momentum in your finances. So it's not necessarily that every part of life experiences momentum at the same time. Sometimes it's very specific, nuanced areas of your life where you're experiencing momentum. And and the reason why this is so crucial to point out is because you've got to be able to recognize it when it happens. And so it may not be just this sweeping jolt forward in every area of your life, but you've got to be able to recognize that, man, there's times where it happens in specific areas. And what do you do whenever you recognize that? Well, micro momentum should be handled in the micro and extrapolated to the macro. Now, that's a big sentence, so let's break it down. Micro momentum should be handled in the micro. So you want to deal with micro momentum in the micro. You want to deal with specific momentum specifically. Right, So if you're experiencing momentum in your finances, you want to put a magnifying glass over your finances and say, okay, what's going on here? I want to steward this. I want to maximize this. I want to play all out in this arena. And then you want to extrapolate what's going on in the micro and say, is there any principles? Are there any practices? Are there any things that are true about my finances right now where I'm experiencing all this goodness that I could extrapolate or extend into my marriage or my business or my leadership or my community? So micro-momentum should be handled and stewarded in the micro. Deal with specific momentum specifically and then extrapolate it into the macro. How could your financial momentum impact your physical health? That's a great example of how you can look at something specifically and then extract the principles that are embedded in that area of your life and apply it to other areas in your life. So we said momentum is momentary. This too shall pass. And then momentum can be micro or it can be macro. And then finally, momentum is not wholly mystical or wholly methodical. I often find that as it relates to this topic of momentum, people often swing one way or the other. We view momentum as something that's wholly mystical. This is the person that says, well, I I can't influence this at all. It was just a kind of brought on to me, or I wish I had momentum, but I have no way of creating that or manufacturing that. There's nothing I can do to influence goodness occurring in abundance in my life. And so it's entirely mystical. It's entirely 
entirely out there. It's entirely circumstantial. And in many ways, I'm a spectator of momentum happening to me. And that's one side of the spectrum. But then there's another side of the spectrum that says momentum is wholly methodical. And this is the person that really believes in the gospel of willpower, right? They're saying, I can manufacture this. I can make good things happen. If there's goodness in my life, it's because I caused it to occur. I willed it into my life. And if there's bad things happening in my life, it's only because I didn't will enough goodness into this season. And we can see how unhealthy actually either of those are. What is proper? Well, it's proper to recognize it's not wholly mystical. God is absolutely involved in seasons of momentum because God is absolutely involved in all seasons all the time, right? He is sovereign. And for us to think we can just manufacture this and we can just will this into existence isn't true. It's not accurate. And if you've actually experienced momentum, you probably know what I'm talking about where it's like, man, yeah, there's a lot of things that I did and I worked really hard on and I focused on to kind of generate these results. But then there's also a lot of stuff that I just, I can't even begin to explain. It's just better than anything I could have asked, thought, or imagined. And it's better than anything my individual willpower or even our collective willpower could have conjured up. And so there's this mystical element to it. But then we also need to remember there's a methodical element What are the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And oftentimes I think we neglect that idea of self-control. Why? Because it can be very disconcerting and discomforting. There are things within your control that if you were to steward them, it would create an environment in which momentum was more likely to occur. And so it's in exercising self-control that we kind of amplify the method of momentum, and it's in exercising faith and prayer and belief that we amplify the mystical side of momentum. And it's the two of those combined together that generate and sustain seasons of momentum in our lives. Let's review the three principles. Momentum is momentary. This too shall pass. Momentum can be micro or it can be macro. And momentum is not wholly mystical or methodical. It's this unique collision of both. And so the question that we're going to answer for the remainder of this podcast in in a way that I really hope is very practical and pragmatic. I want to give you actionable tools that you can really focus on whenever things in your whole life are going really well or when things in specific areas of your life are going really, really well, is we're going to ask the question, what do you do when you have momentum? So often these seasons of goodness are squandered because we don't know what to do with them. And instead of adopting new strategies for expanding and increasing abundance in our lives and the lives of others, we cut it short because we engage in self-sabotage. And so what we're going to focus on today is what do you do practically, actionably, when you have momentum in a specific area of your life? And these are all related to your response. And so number one is you're going to respond with hustle. Number two is you're going to respond with humility. And number three is you're going to respond with health. 
So let's start with respond with hustle. When you find an area of your life where you've got momentum, where things are going well, where you feel like you're running with a tailwind, where you feel like there's increasing abundance and results and performance in this area of your life, what do you have to do? Well, you got to remember what we already said, this too shall pass. So what does that mean? Because this isn't going to last forever, because this is this really special season, this is this really special stage for our family, for my physical health, for my finances, for my business, for my leadership. What do we have to do? We got to remember this too shall pass and therefore we're going to embrace it while it's here. You're going to ride the wave of momentum and you're going to play all out. But what's crazy is this is often counter to the normal response because the normal response, I'm sad to say, is just remarkably amateur because what does momentum do to the amateur? Well, momentum lures the amateur into complacency, laziness, and unhealth. The amateur responds to momentum with complacency. They start sleeping in. They start slacking on their habits. They say, oh man, work is going so well, so I'm gonna stop working out so I can focus more on work. And what's crazy here is the, the amateur, what they're doing in that season is they view momentum as an excuse to neglect the very self-control that made it possible. That, that's like saying, oh man, I've got this plant that is just producing so much fruit right now. I'm just going to stop watering it. What are you doing? Oh my gosh. It's like the plant is growing fruit. We got to make sure we tend to it. We got to make sure we water it. We got to make sure it gets sunshine because those are the things that we could control to help make it fruitful. Now, certainly we didn't do it all on our own, but we did what we could. And why on earth would we stop now that we're actually getting the results that we desired? But how often do we do that in our personal lives, in our leadership, and in our business? That we work so hard, we're so diligent, we're so deliberate, we're so intentional to get these really specific results that when we actually start to see the results, that's when we stop pressing the accelerator and maybe even start pressing the brakes. The amateur views momentum as an excuse to neglect the very self-control that made it possible. It lures them. It's like bait for a fish into complacency, to laziness, and to unhealth. And therefore, that complacency is the seeds of the momentum's downfall. They are cutting themselves off at the knees. Now, let's look at the opposite approach to momentum, the opposite response. Momentum motivates the professional into intentionality, courageous action, and growth. So so the professional chooses a radically different response. Instead of saying, oh man, things are going so well, I now have this excuse to take it easy. The professional says, oh my gosh, things are going so well. How on earth can we double down? How on earth can we get better? How on earth can we steward this blessing right now to expand our territory in the future? And so what do you want to do practically, pragmatically, in order to sustain momentum like a professional? Well, number one, you want to name the areas you are experiencing momentum and you want to ask what conspired to make this happen. 
This is an exercise in reflection, right? What's that quote that we always say on here? There's not value in experience. There's value in evaluated experience. And so what would it look like to reflect on what's going on in your life, extract the value on it by saying, how on earth is this going so well? And, and here's what I want you to know. I used to have this thought that I could literally create a recipe for seasons of goodness. That's not possible, right? That's believing in the methodical side of momentum only. But man, there are certain things that you did that created the environment for momentum to occur. And it would be such a shame if you didn't label those and say, man, I should keep doing that. And so what do you want to do? You want to name the areas. Where is it happening specifically? Your finances, your physical health, your family, your marriage, right? Your intellectual life, your personal growth, your work, your leadership. Where is the momentum happening specifically? This is a really cool exercise to do with your business as a whole. Look 360 degrees at your business and say, what are the really specific areas or even people that have momentum right now and what conspired to make that happen because it's hard to amplify unless you clarify. It's really hard to capitalize on things that you've never labeled. And, and so what we want to do is we want to put a name to them because then we can move to the second action, which is asking yourself the question, what actions could I take to maximize the momentum I am experiencing? And so often, whenever I think of this question to myself as it relates to a specific area of my life or business, there's typically one of two responses. The first response is more, and the second response is less. So there are certain areas where it's like, man, you need to be doing more. Maybe you need to be exercising more intentionality. Maybe you need to be talking more about a specific thing. Maybe you need to applying yourself more to a specific habit. Maybe you need to be engaging with specific people more, right? Because all of those things are things that have maybe been happening unintentionally and accidentally. And if you just applied some intentionality and sense of purpose to it, it's like, holy cow, we need to be doing more of that. But then there's also things that you need to be doing less of. So often, whenever we start to shine light on the areas that there's momentum, one of the things that professionals do is they say, okay, I need to clear my calendar of things that aren't related to this thing. Now, obviously, you do that to the degree that it's practical and healthy, but you need to say, oh my gosh, I need to focus on this because we've got this area of goodness right now and the 80-20 rule is at play. And man, I need to turn this wheel. I need to keep this moving forward. I need to reap the benefits associated associated with the momentum that we are experiencing in this area. So you're going to name it, then you're going to amplify and maximize it. And then here's, a, here's another question that you want to ask yourself. What are some things that I often avoid that this momentum may give me the courage to take on? I'm going to say it again. What are some things that I often avoid that this momentum may give me the courage to take on? We've said this principle before on here, and it, it's one that is really personally, I believe, universally true. The greatest growth doesn't come from the discomfort you dislike. The greatest growth comes from the discomfort that you fear. There are areas of your life, I know this to be true, that are uncomfortable, but they're not uncomfortable just in the way that it doesn't like feel good, right? Or that you just don't like to do it, you procrastinate it, right? That, that's a certain flavor of discomfort. There's a whole nother flavor of discomfort that it's things that you shy away from even talking about or labeling or thinking about because you fear it. A lot of times the fear is that you fear change isn't possible. You fear better isn't in the cards. 
You fear that it may be a hopeless situation. Well, I want to offer you some encouragement. There is always hope. Better is always possible. And that the best could be yet to come should you have the courage to engage proactively with that thing. And so what's the antidote to fear? Well, the antidote to fear is faithful courage. It's to step forward into the unknown. And man, when you have seasons of abundance, when you have seasons of goodness, when you're feeling some momentum, doesn't that seem a good time to capitalize on the courage you may be feeling to step into uncharted territory, to venture courageously into the unknown? to say, I'm not going to stay where I am with what's familiar. Rather, I'm going to engage and live on offense with the unfamiliar and the uncomfortable. So what are some things that you often avoid that this momentum may give you the courage to take on? But The overarching principle here is that what do professionals do when they experience seasons of momentum? Man, they hustle. They do not get lured into complacency or laziness. Rather, they ride the wave of momentum and resolve because it's resolution to play all out. We said we're going to respond with hustle. Number two, we're going to respond with humility. Just like I told you about the bike ride in that triathlon, whenever we are experiencing seasons of momentum, it can be really, really, really easy to start believing, oh, this is all me, right? You can metaphorically start to believe, oh, I am riding 25 miles an hour. I made this occur. And you can certainly see how the methodical approach to momentum can start to get lured into this posture of arrogance, pride, and hubris. We start to believe that we are our momentum, that that's the type of bike rider that you are, that that's the type of results that you get, that that's the type of performance that you generate, and it's part of your identity. Here's what I want you to hear loud and clear. You are not your momentum. And that's a really powerful thing to remind yourself of pretty regularly, especially when things are going well. I am not my momentum. It's so crucial to remember this because if you allow your identity to be informed by the headlines, It will be crushed by the critics. I'm going to kind of dive into that idea a little bit. If you allow your identity to be informed and defined by the headlines, by the good things that are happening, by the positive results, by the great outcomes, by the praise and acclamation of people, if you allow that to get into your spirit of who you are, Well, that feels like a good strategy when things are going well, but we already said momentum is momentary, so things will not always go well for perpetuity. And so when you tie your identity directly to the outcomes of what's going on and you start to believe that you are your momentum, well, when your momentum shifts, it's going to crush you. This is what it looks like to make performance an idol, When you start to say who I am is related to what I do, you are not your momentum. So what does arrogance with momentum do? Well, this is what it looks like. Arrogance with momentum takes credit, 
exercises entitlement, and absorbs glory. It takes credit. It says, this is all about me. This is my effort. This is my willpower. This is my doing. The results I and even we are experiencing right now is a result of me. And I think we all, most of us at least know, unless we're a sociopath, know it's not socially acceptable to go me, 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 my, 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 my. I'm not talking about your words as much as I'm talking about the posture of your heart. If you're looking at your results through the lens of it is solely the product of my contribution, you are taking credit for things that you should not be taking credit before. That is arrogance because it is completely out of touch with reality. So it takes credit. It exercises entitlement. This is a really important one to reckon with. And I think that the word exercise is actually really intentional there, right? What happens with, with muscles whenever we exercise them? Well, they get stronger. They, they adapt to the discomfort, right? And they start to take on and feel comfortable at new levels. And so we start to exercise entitlement when we become arrogance about momentum. And we start to build the muscle of, I deserve this. And so, yeah, I'm riding 25 miles an hour, not only because I did this, but because I deserve this. And maybe I'm getting these results in my finances and I'm getting these results with my family and I'm getting these results in my marriage. And and why am I doing all that? Because I deserve this, folks. (laughs) Oh, that is a dangerous, dangerous, damaging road, damaging to others, but also wildly damaging to you because there's a natural flow to the way, way this goes. You start by taking credit, then you exercise entitlement, and then you start to absorb the glory. Let's be very clear. You remove God from the picture a long time ago when you started taking credit. And now, because you've removed God from the picture, when people start to praise you for your momentum, you have nowhere to point glory but to yourself. And so you will start to believe the headlines. You will start to absorb the glory. And that's what arrogance looks like on display. But what is the antidote to this? What is the opposite of this? Well, we always teach on this podcast and within the Path for Growth community that humility is to have an accurate viewpoint of oneself. And so what is humility as it relates to momentum? Well, it's to say, okay, this momentum is good. It's a blessing, but that momentum is not who I am. And there are certain things that I did that helped contribute to it, but I did not create it. And and there were a lot of other people involved, and certainly God's blessing and goodness and riches were involved, right? And and, uh, I am under no mistaken belief that I deserve this. I do not deserve the results that we're experiencing in this season, right? I get to experience these results, and that is such a blessing, but I am not entitled to them by any means. And instead of absorbing glory, we're going to give the glory, right? We're going to deflect the glory to the God that made it all possible. And we're not just doing that as some trite phrase that we say glory to God. No, we like actually believe all of the glory for this goes to God because none of it would have been possible without him. And yes, it's like I had something to do with it, but who made me possible? Who gave me the ability to exercise self-control? What is self-control? It's a fruit of the spirit. So it's actually the spirit within me that made that flow out of me. So it's like even the parts that I had something to do with, I didn't even have all that much to do with. All the glory goes to God. So what does humility do? Well, humility with momentum shares credit, it grows in gratitude, and it gives glory. 
There's an interesting anecdote that who knows if it's actually true that the Roman emperor, Marcus Aurelius, hired an assistant to walk around the Roman town square with him. And that assistant's sole job, their only job, was to whisper into his ear, you are just a man. You are just a man. You are just a man. And what is that? Well, it's an attempt to try and exercise humility whenever momentum would try to lure you into pride, arrogance, and hubris. I think Marcus Aurelius probably had some visibility into how terrible pride can be to leaders and, by extension, those that they lead. And so he wanted to maintain humility. He wanted to maintain an accurate viewpoint of himself. And so when he walked out into the town square where everyone was trying to give him adoration, where everyone was trying to give him praise, where everyone was trying to tell him about how great he was and the fact that he was the things that he did for Rome, he had someone whispering into his ear, you are just a man. Well, it would probably be a little bit impractical to hire someone to do that, but I just want to remind you on this podcast today, this is something I can say without any doubt that it is true. You are just a man. You are just a woman. You are not your results, and your results do not make you any better than anyone else. They do not make you any more valuable than anyone else. They do not contribute to you becoming any more than what you are. You are just a man. You are just a woman. But what's so cool is if you're a believer, and certainly you don't have to be to listen to this podcast, but it's like there's something to that phrase, just a man. It's like, I mean, you're a man, you're a woman, you're a child of God. And that means that all of the value that could possibly be imbued into you has been imbued to you because you've been created in the image of the creator. And so to even fathom or believe that some exercise of your feeble willpower-driven performance could ever add value to this thing that is already inherently valuable, oh my gosh, it's such a futile attempt, it's not even funny. You are just a man. You are just a woman. Out of that, respond to momentum with humility. So let's make it practical. What do we want to do? Ask, what are the things that I can't control that have gone my way in this season, in this stage, in this area? And here's what I want you to do. I want you to literally label them. And with regard to those areas, that it's like, man, these things went my way. These were a tailwind for 28 miles that it's like, I had nothing to do with. I can't control the wind, right? This was circumstantial. Dwell on these things until you have an emotional response. And it's one thing to logically understand like, oh my gosh, I don't deserve those things. That just, I mean, it was such blessing beyond what I could have ever conjured up on my own. It's not even funny. It's one thing to rationally and logically dwell on those things. It's a whole nother exercise that often takes a lot more time, at least for me anyways, to dwell on them to such a degree that you actually have an emotional response. But I believe that if you're actually deeply dwelling, which like I said, it can be very difficult. This is something that I really have to give myself time to do. But if you're actually dwelling, you can't help but respond with emotion. You can't help but respond with praise because you're like, oh my gosh, there were so many things that I have zero control over that conspired together to make this blessing possible. And you just feel so grateful and so gifted and so joyful. 
And it's really crucial that you have that emotional response because that emotional response is going to have ramifications for the rest of your days and weeks and hours and the way you spend your time, your energy. You got to get to the spot where you're not just rationally dealing with the blessings, but rather you're emotionally experiencing the blessings. Number two, find ways to remind yourself and others that you are not your momentum. So you probably don't need to hire an assistant to tell you you are just a man, you are just a woman. But it, it would be wise to find creative ways. Maybe you write it on your mirror. Maybe you just make it a part of your daily liturgy and your daily prayers. Maybe you do something that just reminds you, hey, these good things that we get to experience, we are not entitled to them. I am not entitled to them. This is blessing. And I am not my momentum. So find ways, creative ways, like Marcus Aurelius did to remind yourself. And then here's the third one. Ask, how can I use this momentum to extravagantly serve in this season? Momentum in so many ways is strength, right? It's great strength that has been given to you. And it's one of our core values at Path for Growth that when you experience strength, you need to remember your strength is not for you. My strength is not for me. That begs the question, what is this strength for? This strength is for service. And so when we have momentum, we shouldn't hoard it. We shouldn't save it. We shouldn't try to protect it. We should do everything we can to give it away. We should live out of the overflow of our momentum and we should try to spend it in service of others. How can I use this momentum to extravagantly, above and beyond, exceeding all expectation or precedence, serve in this season? So where are you experiencing momentum? Maybe it's your physical life. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's your leadership. Maybe it's your business. Maybe it's your family. What would it look like to extravagantly serve? Let me give you just a couple of examples. Maybe you've got a family that is really operating in a posture of strength right now. That it's like, man, you're having good conversations around the dinner table. You've got good rhythms. Your kids are enjoyable to be around. Your marriage is really operating in strength. Oh my gosh, you've got momentum. Congratulations and praise God for that. You know how many people there are out there that are either single or estranged from their family that would be so blessed by the opportunity to sit down at that dinner table one night a month? And so what would it look like to take that strength that is your family and use it for service? Financial can often be an obvious one. If you've been blessed financially in this season, a lot of us apply ourselves to the tithe, right, which is 10%, which even that to a secular world is unfathomable. But if you've been given a great deal, recognize that you will not outgive God. And so you've got this opportunity to dole out generously with humility finances because you trust and believe in a God that is given graciously to you. And then another one is if you've got physical health, and this is a lot of the young guys that I know are on this podcast. This is one of my favorite to exercise strength is for service. And I'm very blessed right now in that I'm physically healthy. I, I love to run. I love to be outside. And therefore, I spend a lot of time outside on trails and at the gym, right? And so I've got a body that can do things. And so, man, anytime I'm with little kids, it's like, who else has a body that can do things and tons of energy that they need to get rid of? It's like those little kids. And so I just love to 
to play with them for hours and hours and hours whenever we're around families. And so what does that mean? Well, it's, it's service to the kid. And I would also argue it's service to me because I just have an absolute blast and laugh more than any other time. But then it's also service to the parents. And so, man, maybe you don't have finances or maybe you don't have a family right now, but maybe you've got physical health and it's like, I can just have a blast with this right now, right? How can you use your momentum to extravagantly serve in this season? And then finally, let's move on to the third response to momentum, which is health. We said we're going to respond with hustle. We said we're going to respond with humility. And then finally, we're going to respond with health. Remember, we said momentum is momentary. Therefore, this too shall pass. What does that mean we must focus on as it relates to our health? Well, you need to enjoy momentum while you have it because it's not going to be here forever. And so it would be such a shame if we were so focused on capitalizing on taking advantage of hustling in the season of momentum that we look up and by the time it's gone, we didn't actually experience it. You got to experience the blessing and steward the blessing. It's possible to do both. It's just extremely rare. And so you want to be healthy and present and grateful in the season you're in and excitedly amplifying and planning for the season that's ahead. You want to enjoy it while you have it and you want to be present. Now, there's a caveat here that I really want to focus on. There's a difference between enjoying a season and being gluttonous in a season. I'm going to say it again. There's a difference between enjoying a season and being gluttonous in a season. And what do I want you to do with that? I want you to refuse the urge to make unhealth a reward for good results. What's wild, though, is how common this is. This is something that my wife and I, Aspen, have been talking about a lot lately because we actually, for a season, applied ourselves to the Whole30 eating plan. We actually ended up doing Whole11, but that's a whole nother conversation. But one of the things associated with Whole30 is kind of spending time recognizing, looking at, talking about, focusing on, okay, what are my emotional associations with food? And one of the things that you can start to realize is it's like, man, for whatever reason, when good results happen, one of our impulses culturally can be to reward ourselves by doing bad things. That is such an absurd, weird response to good results, right? Oh man, we're feeling good. Things are going well. Our family is going great. Our finances are going well. So let's not work out. Let's eat extra ice cream and let's get drunk. That is such a stupid, ridiculous, unhealthy response. And maybe we don't do all of those at once, but certainly I, I reward myself for good things with ice cream a lot of times. And it's like, why on earth would that make any sense? Oh, things are going so well, so I'm going to do things that are bad for me. Now, of course, I'm, I have nothing against ice cream. I have nothing against alcohol in moderation. I have nothing against taking a rest day and not working out, right? But what we don't want is we don't want to create this mental framework of life that things are that are good for me are punishment and things that are bad for me are reward. So it's like, oh, when I do good things, then I get to have that extra beer. That is so ludicrous and counterproductive. It's not even funny. But what's wild is when you start to actually think about this, it's so radically normal. Refuse, refuse, refuse the urge to make unhealth a reward for good results. 
What else do we want to do to stay healthy? Anticipate that momentum will depart. Why? So that you won't be blindsided when it does. Amateurs are the ones that have momentum, experience momentum, and then they do what I did on that bike ride and they turn around, they make the U-turn, and they're shocked whenever they realize, oh my gosh, I was riding with a tailwind. Don't be an amateur, be a professional. Don't be the type of person that their whole life has turned upside down when momentum shifts and changes. The professional is the person that knows that everything is seasonal and that there are riches available for every season. So you want to embrace the riches of the season that you're in, anticipating and expecting that this season will change. And that is not only true, that is good. That is reality. So what did we say we're going to do when we experience seasons of momentum? We're going to respond with hustle, knowing that momentum lures the amateur into complacency, laziness, and unhealth. And so we've got to choose to keep hustling, keep playing all out, and look for ways that we can amplify, maximize, and double down on the momentum that we're experiencing. We're going to respond with humility, knowing that humility is to have an accurate viewpoint of oneself, knowing that we are not our momentum. We are not our good results. And certainly we play a role in creating the environment where it can occur, but there are so many things that had to occur that we had nothing to do with that the proper response is not entitlement of I deserve this, but rather gratitude of, oh my gosh, look at the gifts that I get to experience. And then finally, we're going to respond with health. We're going to recognize that this too shall pass and we're going to refuse the urge to reward good performance with bad behavior. And we're going to anticipate that this season is just a season so that we're not blindsided when it changes. Y'all, I hope that this episode was something that would encourage you and motivate you if you're in a season of momentum right now to be really intentional and to use it in service of others and to the glory of God. And I want to let you know that our next episode in this series is really going to be about what to do when you don't have momentum. And if that's where you're at, I just want you to know that there's hope. This episode that you just listened to could be really, really practical for you very soon. And don't give up. Keep moving forward, keep taking ground, keep expanding your territory, and just recognize that just like we already said, this is a season and seasons will change. Hey, real quick before we go, uh, you know that as a business, we provide impact-driven leaders with one-on-one coaching, team training, and in-person experiences that help those leaders grow their business while reducing their stress. One of the things that we're offering to give insight into everything that we do as a community right now is a 14-day free trial of the executive membership. This will give you access to every single one of the 12 fundamental lessons that practically walk you through establishing the essential structure for healthy growth. And those lessons are for you and your leadership team. Then you also get access to the office hours conversations that we have with impact-driven leaders from around the country twice a week. This is one of my favorite things we're currently doing as a company because it's where the community really focuses on contributing to each other to help other leaders uh, grow their business while reducing their stress and therefore make an impact. So if you're interested in that 14-day free trial, go to pathforgrowth.com and you'll see where you can click the button to submit an application. You'll know this. We're rooting for you. We're praying for you. We really want to see you win. Remember, my strength is not for me. Your strength is not for you. Our strength is for service. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go.